But I think mostly when it comes to those kink fetishes or like BDSM scenes, I would say it's more about like not necessarily like the orgasm as much as the release which is orgasmic to a lot of people you know they will feel the adrenaline rush they will feel the endorphins which feels as much as a release as an orgasm to most people Hello and welcome to episode five of the Redefining Sex series. I'm so happy to have you listening and I hope you enjoy this week's episode with sexologist and YouTuber Carlos from Ask Carlos TV. Carlos has so much knowledge, so I've actually split this episode into two parts. First up, we're talking about gender, which is a bit of a different angle from last week. And we're talking about non-binary and genderqueer and gender fluid. And then at about 15 minutes, it switches over and we talk all things kinks and fetishes. I learned a lot. This is something I don't know much about. And I asked a lot of questions, which I think a lot of people have thought that are maybe too scared to ask. And Carlos gives some ripper answers. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello. Hi, how are you? So good to meet you. <laughs> I know, it's so nice to meet you too because I've watched so many of your videos now. It's like, oh, thank, no, thank you goodness. Like, very strange. Hopefully like, you're clicking on those ads. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. So for the video today, we're going to kind of cover two separate topics. We'll look at um, non-binary and gender and how that affects our sex life in any way, if at all. And then look at kink which I am and you can probably tell by looking at me like I'm nearly as vanilla as they come uh, well so am I <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh good um, yeah I was actually um and, and one you know me being so vanilla I can't say I'm like that vanilla you know but considering who I talk to and the topics I cover it is but um there's this one sexologist Dr. Jess um she's really big in Canada she is uh, she kind of like inspired me she's like talking about all these kind of topics but she has like I mean, you, she would fit like in Fox News over here. Like she looks like a business lady and yeah, she's like talking right. about all these things. So I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the point, isn't it? You can't judge a book by its cover when it comes to sex. Exactly, exactly. I love that. So let's start with talking about non-binary because I think that people slowly I mean we're in we're in different sides of the world so we might have different perspectives but it seems like where I am people are slowly starting to understand what it means to be non-binary and accept accept the they them pronouns but there isn't really a deeper level of understanding that non-binary is an umbrella term for so many different people who don't feel that they fit in with male and female well i mean i wouldn't necessarily say like under binary non-binary but maybe like non-binary adjacent oh yeah yeah <laughs> but you know there's like gender queer um gender fluid agender or just like a few that you know i can think of at the top of my head and i would say that those are the main ones like non-binary um gender queer gender fluid and agender those are probably like the main ones that you will hear and what are the differences between them? They're as different as each individual. I think that's what makes it so difficult to understand is that it is so unique to each individual that one person's definition of non-binary is going to be like another person's definition of trans or another person's definition of agender. You know, so everyone has their own uh, specific way that they define their gender. So it gets a little bit difficult, but um, there is a difference between like non-binary with with non-binary, you kind of, it's very similar to agender in which you don't really feel like you fit in to one or the other. Um, when you know but I think non-binary it kind of goes a little further than that in terms of uh, sometimes you're kind of like in between you know both genders and someone who's agender almost feels like neither Um, and then you have uh, gender queer which uh, basically means like whatever they want (laughs) you know it's just not something you would normally think of when you think of gender Um, gender fluid is a little bit different and they do have a unique set of challenges um, 
that they have to face whenever they are dating or having sex. Uh, just because they are, you know, one day they might feel more female, one day they might feel more male, and one day they might feel like non-binary. So those are kind of like a little bit of the differences. Yeah, okay, that, that's really well explained. How does that spill into people's sex lives? And if you don't feel like, because um, the way that we talk about sex is so binary, right? Even, right. even in like um, same sex relationships, it's still quite binary, the language that we use around sex. So this is like a... Um, it's a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like a, a it's like a daily struggle, not just with um, well, when I'm when I'm working with clients like in therapy or with like sex coaching or intimacy coaching, that's a little bit different because you know how a person identifies and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to, like with making my videos or um, I'm currently writing a book, and when you're doing those things that you are you want to include as many people as you can because you don't know who's watching the video you don't know who's reading the book and you do come into those challenges where you're like ah you know like i i want to talk about this but there's so many people that can enjoy this activity and it gets a little difficult when there are such you know like gender definitions of certain things yeah totally so what are some gender neutral terms that we can maybe use like do you think that we should just rule out using you know gender when we talk about sex you know i tell people and i'm writing a whole section of the book about it is like you have to become like the expert of who you are and regardless of what gender you are or what sexual orientation i always recommend everyone to sit with their partner with their sexual partner with their boyfriend girlfriend whoever and discuss what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in terms of well aside from like limits boundaries and all that stuff but also language that's probably one of the things that is often missed in those conversations you know a lot of people will say like um i don't like pain or i don't like um, being tied up but people won't say like oh i don't like calling my penis a cock or i don't feel i don't feel comfortable uh being vaginally penetrated you know like those are things that people don't really talk about so i really encourage everyone to become an expert in yourself, figure out what it is that you are comfortable with. And whenever you are meeting someone, you know, kind of talk, talk about it together. Like what is, what is acceptable to call certain body parts or your body in general and what's not. And that makes it so much easier. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about like with, with gender fluid, kind of going back a little bit earlier about what you said about the challenges specific to gender fluid um, when dating, when having sex is it's not necessarily that it affects their sex life per se but it's more about their partner because like let's say um you know let's say someone who's gender fluid is currently identifying as a male and they meet some they meet another guy and you know they hit it off and they're together and you know they're getting it on and their partner identifies themselves as like being a gay male yeah. But with someone's gender fluid, when, you know, they start feeling more, more female, that kind of, you know, messes with the other person because they're like, wait, I thought I was gay. But if you're female now, does that mean I'm straight or do the other way around, you know, so it gets a little, it gets a little tricky for the partner. And that's why I think it's really important to sit down with, with your partner and figure out like, you know, well, one, I always encourage everyone as soon as possible to start having those conversations. They're not the easiest, they're not the funnest. Well, they can be fun. You can make them fun, you know, but in the beginning, you know, you don't really feel too comfortable talking about like um, your gender or sex and stuff like that. But it's, it's huge. It's a huge, it's going to be a really big part of your relationship. If, you know, unless you're, um, you're asexual, that's a whole other story, but it's going to be a really big part of the relationship. So it's important to start talking about that sooner rather than later. Yeah. And then what about people who are, who do feel like they fit into the binary and not just like in terms of dating someone who isn't non-binary or gender fluid? What are ways that we um, cis binary folk can change our <laughs> language to be more inclusive just when we talk about sex in general, like as, as a society, when we have the conversations about sex to be more inclusive? Right. Um... <laughs> 
that's a really difficult one because it's honestly really it's a really it's a really challenging part of acceptance when it comes to um to other genders that people are not too familiar with because it's almost like you know there's like a lot of people that are like oh it's such an inconvenience for me and i'm not going to use they then it doesn't make sense you know so there's like a lot of pushback from from a lot of individuals just because it's so different and people are not the biggest fans of change for the most part um but if they meet a couple people that identify in different ways it starts kind of changing the way that you think about things and the way that you address something because let's say there is someone who is genderqueer assigned male at birth and you look at them but you're like that looks like like that looks like a girl and when you're talking sometimes you'll say like he but even you're like wait no that's you'll you'll like say no she like you don't know what to say you know but the more and that's usually like when a light like uh lights up and you're like okay that's kind of what i i understand now a little bit what it means with like different genders and how just because someone was born one particular way it doesn't necessarily mean that like they identify that or even that you perceive them that way so i think just opening up your your inner circle and meeting new people mm. and naturally i think by trial and error your language will open up but i think when if you're specifically trying to it's just you know just go with data that's always like real that's that's the easiest thing and you know like what are you afraid of <laughs> exactly that, that they might like it <laughs> <laughs> that that is true that is true and i think like let's not spend too much time getting hung up on the word that someone uses to identify if someone tells you that that's how they identify then all you really have to do is say okay no worries (laughs) exactly and also you know being okay with making mistakes i think in as long as you like when it comes to misgendering that's just gonna happen you've like lived your life uh, who knows how many years or in some cases decades uh, where you are only referencing people like male or female so it becomes really really difficult when you're trying to make that shift to people who are non-binary but it's just being okay with knowing that you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna mess up at times and at that moment you know as soon as you make a mistake and realize it um not making like a big deal about it but just kind of acknowledging be like oh my god i'm i'm so sorry like um i'll try to i'll try to remember a little bit more next time yeah and listen no one we learn from our mistakes Uh, some people will just get it right automatically and they're like yeah you use like um zer i'll use zer like on the spot and for some people it's really really hard so what happens is people kind of get really scared like i don't want to mess up so i'm just gonna avoid any conversations with anyone that's non-binary or anyone that's trans because i don't want to like get canceled you know so yeah but it's just being okay with making mistakes because that's really the only way that you're going to learn the more that you mess up uh, it's going to um something inside you you're going to slowly learn like that feeling of like oh my god i feel so bad i just called him this and then you're going to be more mindful about it yeah and it's really it's really difficult in some languages like um spanish is all gendered you know like yeah. words are either male or female so for someone i grew up in like like 90, I want to say 99% Hispanic community. I could be wrong. It could be like 95. (laughs) But it was like very hugely Hispanic and most people like speak Spanish. And that's kind of a a particular challenge and because they're so used to word, especially because if they're using, um, they're like switching between languages, which is really, really common, like in border towns here, um, that you're saying something in Spanish and it's gendered and you're like, you know, but uh, yeah, it can be tricky, but just yeah. know that it's okay. And because is this is like, I only can speak English. You put like an O on the end. If Well, I learned Italian in school. Is it the same? You put an O on the end of yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I never even thought about that. So, so if- like the microphone is male because it would be microfono. And the laptop is a female because it's computadora. It's really weird because some countries that you would expect are, and, and that they are, like Mexico is pretty conservative. And yet, you know, they legalize same-sex marriage like before America, I believe. So uh, it's like kind of like the the how progressive they are they're really progressive in some ways and uh really old-fashioned some other ways so i'm interested in looking into that actually 
yeah well i mean that's a huge thing to like rewrite your your whole, right, your language, your whole language. <laughs> i mean people are already struggling with they that can you imagine oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true all right so should we talk about kink we can talk about whatever you want <laughs> i'm so excited to talk about kink because i love it my favorite topic i think it i think it really fascinates people and there's a lot of like misunderstanding yeah. it's me i mean I've been talking to people about the um, lack of sex education and like just how close-minded It's horrible. It's horrible. And when you learn about, uh, I think when people think of kink, they think of BDSM and often that is then linked to like abuse and like, but I think what I've started to learn in recent years is just how big the, not only the BDSM community is, but kink community and how many people like engage in these kind of activities but it's still yeah. like it's still treated like in the mainstream like it's like a little sub community over here that's like not really very well understood would you agree right. i mean it, i mean it is you know it is small it's and it's kind of funny because um it's like the more that you read about something and the more that you understand something um the more con uh, you know, I'm a little biased because I talk with people that have like extreme kicks and fetishes like all day, every day, pretty much. So uh, I hear a lot of things and I hear a lot. Of, so I know like the common kings and fetishes. So when I'm my friend, my best friend was cracking up because I did this video like reacting to Trisha Paytas's OnlyFans. And during it, he was like, <laughs> he was cracking up. He's like, it's so funny because everything you're like, oh, it's so common. But I, what I was thinking is like, it's more common than one might think. Yeah. You know, so it's not necessarily that it's really, really common, but it's definitely a lot more common than I think people people would assume. Um, and yeah. then you don't really know about it until you you kind of like open the floodgates. I think like with the ABDL community, the adult baby diaper lover community, um, that one was really interesting. I had done like a Reddit, like an ask me anything. And someone had asked me like, what is the weirdest fetish that you've, you've like, ever encountered and uh, if that's a really hard question for me to answer just because i talked to so many people like nothing yeah. really talks i don't really find anything weird but i did say the one thing that i still don't fully understand is um diaper fetish at that moment i was just referring to it as cyber fetish i've never um, heard of that yeah yeah so what happened was from that uh from that answer the abdl adult baby diaper lover community ended up like sending me so many messages like hey if you you want to know more about it i would like i'd be happy to talk to you about it and that's a really great response isn't it like (laughs) instead of just coming at you they were like can we teach you some more about it right exactly and 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 not every community is that way Mm. you know i think well it it depends so each community because you think of like like kinks and fetishes and like you mentioned you know bd sound it's a huge umbrella but then there's like all these little subcultures and each one has their own little like beef between each other um most about who makes it sexual and who does not make it sexual because i think a lot of people don't understand that when it comes to kinks and fetishes uh no not fetishes well, not necessarily kinks either. It depends, you know, but a lot of BDSM in particular is not sexual per se. So um, there's a lot of things that people do that aren't necessarily sexualized. But listen, people sexualize everything. Um, you have like one camp of like the ABDL community, the basically adult babies who wear diapers, you know, they love to get into the headspace of being a baby. And um, sometimes they'll have, they're called, a, they're referred to as a little, and they will have, for the most part, they will have someone who is like, you know, I guess the way you would consider the traditional dominant or their caregiver or their, their daddy, whatever they, they refer to call them. And they have like a relationship and, you know, it's, it's basically a role play, except it's like, it's called age play too so um some people there's one side that is it's not sexual for them at all it's more of a therapeutic thing like um they're reliving their childhood or they just feel really comforted by it and then you have a section that does you know get it on in the diaper they'll put the pull the diaper to the side and start banging you know So you have people that are like, no, that's not what we were about. And, uh, but you can't, you can't ignore it. It's the same thing with furries, which is, they're a little, yeah. they're very defensive over who's, who like sexualizes like the furry community and who doesn't, but. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I guess like my point of bringing up kink is like oh and fetishes is like how how can we talk about that in a more common way when we talk about sex? But yeah, for so many people they do these things and it's not sexual, and I didn't even think about think about that. <laughs> Right, right. Or like splashing. Um, splashing is another activity that is more common than one might think, you know. What, <laughs> but what's it's also splashing? Not, so splashing is essentially it's called it's also called like wet and messy fetish. Um, it's people who love like different substances. Usually, it's food being like thrown on them. They'll like cover themselves um, in it. Um, I actually tried cake sitting on one of my videos. I tried, I talked about splashing and I ended up making a penis shaped cake for my birthday and then I sat on it. <laughs> Just, and I mean, that wasn't sexual, but I was still participating in the kink. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And it, it does feel interesting. <laughs> how, does, how, does, how do you decide, like, if, if it's the same act that someone's doing sitting on a cake, like, you weren't doing it in a sexual way, like, how would you describe the way that you were? sitting on a famous size cake like i mean i eventually found the sexual side of it <laughs> i was like well i'm here i'm already here i'm already sitting on this cake i'm already covered in cake it was like i think at that point it was like uh, it was late it was like three four in the morning and so i was like well i might as well get the full experience so i got off while covering cake you know so it was yeah hot. But I think mostly when it comes to those kinks, fetishes, or like BDSM scenes, I would say it's more about like, not necessarily like the orgasm as much as the release, which is orgasmic to a lot of people. You know, they will feel the adrenaline rush. They will feel the endorphins, which feels as much as a release as an orgasm to most people. Oh, my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's so <good. laughs> dildo drop. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it's about. It's about having a release because um, you know, we right. talk about foreplay a lot of the time. Because I always wondered, like, is when you do um, and I think maybe this is like because I've watched like BDSM porn, and I think maybe mm -hmm. like that's it. Always seems like well, from what I've seen anyway, it's like there's like um things where it's like spanking and nipple clamps and all these things, right. and then it leads to then like having an orgasm right and is that but that's because kind it's of porn yeah you know that's because it's porn so um that's something that people are going to get off to and it kind of adds to it because i mean pretty much when you're talking about like kinks and fetishes uh, for the most part i mean no one knows exactly how they form you know but the most popular um the most popular idea is that it's something that's kind of like like learned kind of like um kind of like a condition it's conditioned into someone so at some point while you were seeing something or experiencing something you were having some pleasure and while you were like let's say uh, i think like a common really really common fetish is like a foot fetish you know so like let's say you're getting off one day and as you're like jerking it and you're about to jizz you see that there's like a high heel on on the side of the bed you know and you're just kind of like looking at it and you're getting off and then you orgasm what happens yeah. is your brain ends up pairing the side of the shoe with pleasure so after some time you know you kind of pair those together so <laughs> when someone is getting off to a porn that's like a bdsm porn even though in reality they might not get off to it like it just kind of adds to it you know, at that moment, they're watching porn, they're trying to get off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to actually um, participating in it, sometimes it has nothing to do with getting off. In particular, like someone who's asexual, um, even though they do orgasm, they do have, you know, they masturbate, they can have experienced pleasure like like everyone else. Um, for a lot of people who are asexual, they, they love things like BDSM because it's another release and a way that you connect with someone without yeah. that whole like sexual, like, I'm going to bang you so hard. It was more like, I'm going to like flog you so hard or whatever there is. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about that learnt thing. Like it made me think of, you know, year eight science with Pavlov's dog and the dog sees the stake. Ex yes, the exactly. Uh-huh. So when you say release, is it's a release of tension or um, a release of like, maybe do you think a lot of it is like letting down your guard and being vulnerable to someone and then that's a release or... 
It depends on which role you're playing in that particular scene, you know? So there is, for the most part, there's going to be a submissive and a dominant. Not necessarily in that, what you would be thinking, but it's more of like someone giving and someone getting, you know? So the person that's like receiving, like let's say they, they're getting um, whipped, you know? They're getting whipped, someone is whipping them. What happens is like a lot of the times those endorphins, they will go into what is known as like a subspace. And it's kind of like a euphoric state where you're, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like, I guess being in an orgasmic state, but for, for longer periods of time. So they get to release from being in the here and the now, and they get to just like kind of disconnect in pleasure. I mean, that painful pleasure for a while. And same thing with someone who is providing that, you know, maybe whatever tension they're holding onto, they're releasing it through it that way. Um, and also people, it's really difficult when it comes to sex and BDSM with talking about things because of the cancel culture right now. And it's sometimes I have to remind people like sexuality is not PC. And a lot of these things that people are doing, they're doing to kind of like maybe like work through something that, you know, wasn't PC to begin with. So um, that's why like when you were mentioning sometimes when people are talking about BDSM, they think it's about it's like about abuse, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Well, I guess it's because they think it's abuse because all a lot of the activities, right, right, pain, right, right, and that's not, and that is not always the case. I think people forget about sensual dominance, uh, you know. So there's like you would expect like the regular like dom or like the dominatrix, uh, um, dom daddy, you know, whatever you're into. There's that way of, I think when people think of like a, a dominant, they think that someone who's real forceful and for many people that is, but there's also like a sensual dominant and that, and I think like a lot of people have already done it. They don't even know about it. But it's like when you grab your partner essentially, you maybe like blindfold them, push them down on the bed, and maybe like rub a feather around them. They are technically submitting to you at that moment, you know? Yeah. So there is that element of the BDSM. Yeah, I think that's what I was saying when I was saying it's kind of common. Like everyone, well, not everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot Most of people, people would have assume, right? Played with um, blindfolds or tying up or just like. Oh, oh, yeah, spanking. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I, it's called impact play. You yeah. know, something like impacting you, and um, yeah, that a lot of people are doing a form of it. They just don't yeah. know it. Yeah. Another, another real common one that people are when they hear about it, they're like, oh my god, what? That is crazy. And then when I kind of dig a little deeper, I'm like, oh, so you do engage in that uh, erotic humiliation which is like uh, basically people who get off to being like humiliated, uh, degraded, or in some shape or form, you know, the extremes vary. But some people are like, oh my God, I would never, that's so horrible. Why would people do that? But it's like, you know, have you ever liked being like smacked around and called like a dirty little whore? And they're like, well, yeah, sometimes when, well, that was erotic humiliation. You know, it's just to a different degree. Yeah, and I think it, maybe people get hung up on the word humiliation. Humiliation, right. This is where it's interesting because, you know, where do, you, where do people draw that moral line where they, where they shut down kinks as, like, immoral, you know, but it's like, oh, you know, you can time me up. Where, like, it's such a blurry line and pe- people have just decided to make it, like, black and white, but... Exactly. And it really is like a state of mind. It's just whatever you decide to think. I was watching this really good interview with um, one of my favorite shows, Secret Diary of a Call Girl. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh, yeah. I think you have a while ago, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, But the actual... the actual person who that show is based out of, she is actually like a scientist. And I saw like this really good interview where they asked her, that actress that plays it, she asked her like you know do you think that you're like glamorizing prostitution and they were talking about they made some excellent points about how like essentially like you know like someone who is uh, doing hard labor you know they're selling their strength Uh, when you're at your job you're selling your mind for the most part you know so there's we're always selling something about ourselves but there's just something along the way that people decided no like pain for sex that's immoral like you can't sell that part of your body you can sell everything else you can sell your mind you can sell everything else but you you can't sell that you know because it's immoral and it's like well what is immoral you know that's up to each individual should we always 
talk about orgasm and finishing when we talk about sex. I think when we look at sex, it, it can be so much more than having that orgasm. And you sort of touched on that with the release. So what do, mm-hmm. what do you, what, I'd love to hear your thoughts on orgasms. Uh, orgasms. Well, I love them. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. But, um, you know, I think it's up to each individual. I think everyone should be in charge of their own sexuality, of their relationships. You know, you teach people the way that you want to be treated. You teach them, well, you should teach them how you want to be touched, how you want to be banged. Um, you know, like a person's orgasm is really their own responsibility. So if you want to have an orgasm, then you better make sure that you do what it takes to get your orgasm. You can't depend on someone else to give you an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want an orgasm, which a lot of people don't, you know, that's shocking too, but there's people out there who they just want to like, you know, extend the period of pleasure like yes. and it can go along a lot of dimensions so there's like the the tantra the tantric sex where you know kind of sex can go on for hours and there's without a release and there's that's still you know they're finding some pleasure out of that there's people who enjoy ruined orgasms um where you know they're about to come and someone like stops them um, they enjoy that too that is they get off on not getting off mm-hmm. um same thing with chastity play which is crazy popular um, um, which is something that a lot of people wouldn't expect. Like, what? Like, there's people who actually, like, lock up their penises in chastity. And it's like, yeah, they enjoy that. You know, that is something that yeah. they find. There's nothing more pleasurable than getting their cock locked up in chastity. Or their useless clitty, you know, depending on the kink. <laughs> I talked to this amazing um I'm not sure if she's, I guess she's a dominatrix. She's like a, her name is Chastity Queen. She's a chastity queen, but she all just does like small penis humiliation and like sissification and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, she was uh, giving me such an amazing insight of like, of just people being who loved being locked up in chastity. So that's like one perfect example of someone who can have pleasure and be really fulfilled in their the sex life without the orgasm yeah so is when you're locked up is that so like it's when your um penis isn't hard and then so it's locked so if it got hard it like wouldn't fit is that what it is you mean like the cage or yeah, like so the- <laughs> yeah so with chastity it's it's a device uh, you know so it's kind of like a cage sometimes it's um it's kind of like a full like cover type thing and you put it over the penis and it comes with like a lock and a key and you give the key over to your key holder and then that key holder will decide when you get to be released and when you get to orgasm so they're kind of like in control of of your orgasm or lack thereof Mm -hmm. so the cage is small so you can't really get fully erect i mean you can orgasm um in particular there's one thing called there's like a really popular king called sissification um where sissification forced feminization when people it's usually people who are um they identify as male for the most part you know they're it's usually straight males that engage in that that's kind of changing now um but they will, they, they love the whole like feminization aspect of being like forced into something. So for some people, it's like that, that being forced to be locked up in chastity. And since they're locked up in chastity, it's like kind of figuring out other ways that you can orgasm. So they will <laughs> train themselves into having what is known as a sissygasm. Um, essentially that they're like, um, you know, it's prostate stimulation so it can be through like a dildo it can be through a finger it can be through a toy or whatever but they will train themselves to orgasm without even like being hard just anally <laughs> which right. is really interesting yeah, right really yeah interesting. but you know what i'm glad that you brought up feminism and now that we're talking sure. about this because that is one thing that is so hard and i um in my specification no femdom i did a video on femdom and i interviewed yeah. an amazing dominatrix uh mercenary mistress and we talked about specification where essentially it's like i mentioned you know it's usually like um um someone who identifies as male for the most part i mean that's for the most part it's that so we'll stick to that in this particular topic for today but um they they find the humiliation and being turned into a female which becomes really problematic for 
someone who is a female and is the one in power. So we had kind of talked a little bit about how you can still engage into, you can still engage in that kink and fetish while acknowledging that there are some problematic aspects to it. Like, um, you know, like, oh, you look like such a girl, like it's a bad thing. So it's about just identifying what it is about a particular kink. And it can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be specification, but any kink that might be, you know, have like those problematic overtones or undertones, um, finding a way to modify it. So maybe modifying that language. So like with specification, instead of being made fun of um, for looking like a girl or acting like a girl or dressing like a girl, they are maybe like made fun of for being useless or for being less of a man or anything that is not equal to being a female. It means yeah. Something it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I my sort of view when I've thought about kink and fetishes and things is like that I, I always feel like people get too hung up on asking like, oh, well, why do you like that? And I think that's right. just because my view on sex is like, well, you shouldn't really ask anyone why they like it, why you like this gender or why you like whatever. The truth is like, people don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't, yeah. I love asking it like uh, sex workers and dominatrixes. I love asking them like, um, or, or the people themselves. Um, with the um, with the small penis humiliation, the chastity queen, she came on to my my channel with her sub, who's actually who's also like her life her life partner, uh, Bunny, and uh, uh, he's into you know sophistication, chastity, cotton ball torture, all of that. And I love asking like, so what is it that you like about it? Because people just don't know, you know, people don't know why they're into these things in particular. Yeah. So do you think it's not important for an individual to break down why they like it, but it's, in, but like, obviously you said with specification um, and stuff, it's important to change it. If, so what's the balance there? If it, sometimes we do things to self-harm, to self-sabotage. And if you're engaging in something for those specific purposes to self-sabotage or you're trying to like hurt yourself in some way, then it's really important to figure out why you're doing that. Because there's obviously something that you're avoiding that can be, you know, you can find another release to it. And that's why I was saying earlier, some a lot of the times like people... Um, work through things through their kinks and fetishes if, if they know about it you know that's great but if they don't and they're engaging in something that's maybe like hurting themselves uh, usually like psychologically or even physically then it's just kind of like understanding okay this is actually problematic there's people who love cock and ball torture you know they, they love it but maybe and they just do it for the fun of it there's no like deep-seated reason they yeah. just it once and they got onto it so they just said hey i'll do it again but for maybe someone else maybe they feel like maybe someone made fun of them earlier in their life or they made them feel like like less of a man or something and having that is just like a way to kind of keep that self-abuse going so then it would be important to get that insight as to why you're doing certain things if you're doing it to self-harm yeah and it it might take a while for people to to figure that out because i think that right as people, we don't spend too much time thinking about. <laughs> right. Why do I love cock and ball torture? <laughs> what advice do you give to people that are like, what advice would you give to people that are looking to um, explore the world of kink? I would. Because uh, um, I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's scary, I think right? it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, it depends, you know, because most people think of pain. They think of all those, like, you know, uh, dark leather, rubber, like, mummification. They think of, like, those more what you would consider, like, hardcore type of activities. But there's other things that are just, like, like splashing, you know? Like, no one is getting, like, beat up. No one's cock is getting tortured. No one's being humiliated. It's just, like, people are rolling around in cake or banging while they pour baked beans on themselves <laughs> like and that's it that could be fun for some so fun to be honest like i just love yeah. messy like 
why not exactly yeah there's like so many things that you can try that you might enjoy what i think the most rewarding thing about those types of activities is that they te- it's really weird because they they teach you amazing communication skills mm. because there's so much negotiation that goes on when you're talking about like consent and like creating a safe word limits and boundaries to make sure that you're both on the same page and that no one gets hurt but that that is such a good quality to have is to be able to open up with someone and say, Hey, let's try this. This is really weird. Let's try it. And one of the things people are always asking me, like, what do men want? What do women want? You know, like what do non-binaries want? You know, like that's a, a, a form of that question I'm always getting asked, but the truth is people just want to be accepted for whatever it is that they're into without being judged or made fun of and stuff like that. And those most, the strongest relationships are the ones where people feel like they can open up to the person that they're with and just try things. They yeah. might not like it, but it's like that bonding experience of trying things, of going outside of your comfort zone and being able to open up of certain things that are I guess like filled with shame for the most for most people mm. and kind of making that connection and knowing like you're exploring with things and learning that it's not as big of a deal as you really thought yeah I'm really not surprised that that's the most asked question you get because pe- people just want to know like uh, when it comes to sex like how can I be good you know like how can I yeah. be good and like satisfy people and right. it, how do I spice up my sex yeah. life ask your partner what they're into yeah you know? like, <laughs> I'm scared because we I don't know if it's like an insecurity like we don't want to seem like we don't know what we're doing but you know you should treat every single person as as a brand new experience doesn't matter how many times you you know you've had sex it's like you exactly yeah right yeah but I think that's the best part of like exploring with kinks is yeah is that weird communication that that is involved with it you know you learn good communication you learn like great things on communication on consent on pleasure on pain on what you don't like and and like I was telling you earlier you know I tell everyone like become an expert at what it is that you like and what it is that you don't like another common question that I get asked a lot is how do I tell about my partner about my kink or my fetish and it's like well first you have to become an expert of what that is for you what you like about it because when everyone has their own preconceived notions of what a certain kink or what a certain fetish is like you mentioned when people hear BDSM they think like abuse a person just wants to be abused or the person just wants to abuse me you know so your responsibility as someone who is a partner to them sexual partner is being able to let them know like what it is that you like about it because it's going to be different than what they have in their head you know so they're thinking like you just want to hit me but they're thinking i love that you trust me so much that you would put yourself in these positions and just like let me do whatever knowing that you trust that i'm not going to hurt you you know if someone would tell them that that is very different than like i just want to like slap you around yeah yeah and it's um it's hard to talk like it's that feeling when you have a dirty secret that you just like release and then sharing that with someone and then them feeling safe with you like I can just that's such a such a special and beautiful thing yes but yeah it it will teach people how to communicate about like have those discussions of hey what are you into what am I into what are we not gonna do what will we explore Mm. and just having those conversations I think it's really important totally and to get rid of the shame around it I like yeah exactly I think that's just how we're conditioned right to feel shame yeah also a lot of people like when it comes with the whole shame thing it's just because like I don't know that's like a really really hard thing because a lot of people it's not necessarily like a shame I would say well yeah shame is a huge part of it but when I'm I'm thinking about like relationships of opening up to someone and saying hey I'm into this kink because yes there is that shame involved but it's more of your partner and the insecurity of what does this mean for me what does this mean for our relationship but I think that we have like our own internal shame as well because we're yeah. told, you know, like it's here's the mold of a human fit into this. And if you and everyone else is over here and that other and it's wrong. And I think to allow yourself to embrace things that are, are taught as other, you know, you carry so much shame. So it's about opening up to yourself and being like, well, maybe I do like this and that's okay. Right exactly that's a release that is the the purest orgasmic release is being okay with your own kinks and fetishes (laughs) the ultimate orgasm 
Yeah. And then, you know, when it kind of clicks and it makes sense when you're doing it, you know, you're not hurting anyone or hurting any, like, the shame kind of goes away on itself, you know? Yeah. And I think that um, sometimes when you're finding something, you know, that's like a kink to yourself and you think it's strange because it's not talked about in the mainstream, maybe a lot of shame comes from being like, only I feel this way. What's wrong with me? So a big part of it could be like, you know, looking online and realize like finding other people in that community that feel the same way must be a huge thing. Oh, yeah. That's probably the best part about the internet is knowing that there's other people that have your same experience and just knowing that you're not, you're not the only person feeling that way. I have, like, my first video that I ever posted was on by, by like, the difference between bisexuality and biromantic. And I just adore the comment section under that particular video because there's so many people that are just, like, I had no idea like this was a thing. This is exactly what I'm feeling. I never knew that other people felt this way. Mm. And there's like this sense of like freedom and self-acceptance that comes with knowing that you're not the only one that is thinking a certain way. Mm. Oh, we didn't talk about puppy play. Oh, pet play. Well, that's that's under the umbrella of like pet play. So with pet play, it doesn't necessarily have to be pups. Uh, you know, that is really popular, but you can be you can be like a kitten. Uh, pony is another really popular one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, what do you want to know about it? Well, is it the same as like, this is like from going to pride matches and there's like people that have like the dog. Yeah, the pup hoods. That is puppy play. That is. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what like can you it's a role play yeah it's a role play type act type of um type of activity so essentially it's like you're putting yourself into that headspace of a puppy or a cat or a pony or whatever so if you're if it's pup play in particular you know um you can have the the pup hood to help it's more like those things are more to help you get into that headspace you know so the yes you can do it without it but those those things really help you get into that character so yeah. you can put on the pup hood um they have like butt plugs with a little dog tail they can just like pull up in and basically just putting yourself into that headspace of like of a, a puppy you know so in that particular um the relationship dynamic where the the dominant is usually not a puppy i mean i guess they can but it's usually not and it's kind of like the way that you would envision the relationship between like people have their dogs you know when the dogs just comes they're so excited to see you and they just want to please you you just put yourself into that headspace and you know you're trying to please your partner you like a little belly rub you like all that stuff it's essentially it's a role play yeah it's interesting because i always think about like um how humans love dogs so much and it's like yeah I always think it's kind of interesting how we're so obsessed with like having this living thing that's so loyal to us and like just love yeah. unconditionally and it's kind of strange like the concept of having a dog for a pet but All right so, so if you are like, into it yeah right, so if you're into it like imagine it on both sides uh, so ima- like if you're on the side of like in a relationship um you know like if you and your partner started engaging in it who would be the puppy right would you be the puppy or, or, yeah in your relationship <laughs> oh oh i think like more attention I you say turn? okay turn. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you would start thinking like, how good does it feel to you? The way that a dog shows you how much they love you, you know, they get so excited when you come home. You would be playing that out. It's just like a dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you would be playing that out. So that was feel amazing to be able to give like that unconditional energetic love to someone. And it feels great on the other side as well. To, you know how great it feels when a dog yeah. comes to Yeah. <laughs> People get hung up on the fact that it's like an animal and then like there's right. like these associations with this, but that's not what it's about. It's like about characterizing the like the Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or and sometimes it's just about the look, you know, maybe it's like the hood, like like with a kitten play. If you just want to put a pair of cat ears and you know, yeah. like crawl around and feel sexy. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that you want to be a cat. And even if you do, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's <laughs> kitten like a this is just me knowing nothing but like you know cats are like a bit more sassy and independent yes is that what kitten play is 
it could be whatever you want whatever you i mean listen cats are all different and that you can be as different as, as a different cat I, my blast cat used to like love cuddling up to me and then the one that i currently have she's a big old bitch so <laughs> you can either be really affectionate as a cat or you can be a big old bitch to cat <laughs> okay cool so i'm gonna get the current definition up well, oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is video five so um it's now had five people Edited. I strongly believe that sex education is not education unless you're talking about pleasure, you know? So yeah. whatever the definition is, we need to add pleasure up in this bitch. Okay. <laughs> so, the first, first video, we put pleasure in it. And then I spoke to somebody. Oh, who, I love it. Yeah, who was asexual in the next video. And she mm-hmm. was like, she was like, that word, just I don't like that word at all. Sex is not the same as love. Sex is one form of a physical interaction that should be consensual between all parties. It is an act that people can choose to participate in or not. It's not necessarily, like, it's not always physical, you know? Yeah. Um, there is, this, like, this one fascinating, um, I guess, kink, because... Uh, I mean, fetish, for the most part, I think when people say fetish, everyone kind of thinks of the same thing. I, like, I guess technically fetish is when you assign some sort of, like, sexual feelings to an inanimate object, but it's definitely become, like, an umbrella term for just, like, actions and just anything in general. But um, there is one particular fetish, um, financial financial domination, and I mean, for that, that is like purely mental and like, uh, there's like no sex involved. Sometimes people don't even meet, you know? So that like, that is like definitely like a mental Yeah, thing yeah. Because I got a message on Instagram, which I'm pretty sure was a spam, but it was like this guy being like, I just want to transfer you $3,000 a week. Oh my God. You should have said yes. <laughs> I, send, he's like, <laughs> like, send me the tribute and then we'll talk. That's, like, that's what it would be called. It would be called a tribute. A tribute. A tribute is a kind. I mean, exactly what you what it like a gritty at its most gritty way. When you're like giving like a tribute, you're giving like a finance in those oh. ways. It's financial. You know, you're giving a financial tribute to a lot of the times with the financial domination. The financial dominatrixes refer to themselves as goddesses. So it's like, you know, they're like, here's my tribute goddess, because you're such a goddess. Let me give you $3,000 just for your attention. You don't need to give me sex. You, I just want to hear, you deserve it. I'm only getting pleasure out of being acknowledged by such a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a really good point. So it's, it's beyond just the physical when you have sex. And I think that's good because that's the way that we can make sure. We- right, like phone sex, cyber yeah. sex, you know? Yeah. Those are two forms of sex that literally have the sex in it and there's no like physical physical mm. thing to it. Yeah, and then that way we can add in pleasure without exclu- like excluding that asexual person. Sex is an a consensual intimate interaction um that can provide physical, mental, or emotional pleasure and euphoric release. Really? That kind of puts it all together without yeah. saying that it's fi- that it's pleasure, but it can provide physical, mental, emotional pleasure. Or yeah. what's or another you, word for pleasure? Or euphoric release, because that's... Right. Oh, exactly, because it's an or. Because you're not saying it is only the pleasure. It can yeah, be it should be or, the euphoric it? release, or yes. But, um, yeah, thanks, Carlos. You've You're welcome. everything to me so well and really opened up my eyes about the world of kink and all the different types of ways that people choose uh, to orgasm or have euphoric <laughs> release. And um, I couldn't recommend your channel more if anyone wants to learn more about kinks. And- yes, yeah, so come, come my way. <laughs> Or or don't come if you're into chastity and orgasm denial, but just head my way then. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a pleasure to meet you. Likewise, likewise. (laughs) Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Redefining Sex. I hope you enjoyed it and are learning a lot and it's starting to prompt questions with you and your friends because it definitely has for me. If you ever want to hit me up for a chat or you have a topic that you'd like me to cover, please, please message me. I'd love to hear from you. The easiest way is just to DM me on Instagram. It's oikirst, O-I-I-I cursed, and we'll chat there. So next week, I'm talking to a beautiful trans woman named Kissy, who I discovered on TikTok. It's a really great chat. Kissy is amazing. And I can't wait to chat to you all then. Bye. Bye.